Thank you, Jordan. You are a lovely, in a different way, person. Your wife is lovely. Oh, wow. Um, I am so thankful. I'm just, I'm down there worshiping. I'm so thankful. I probably always say this, but worship team, I am so thankful that we have, we have actually, as the worship team, Melissa's been leading us through a book study, and we do through Zoom about every other Saturday. And in the book, we've been uh, talking about the foundations of, in our worship, releasing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And uh, the author was set, you know, defining each of those and saying, you can grow in these as a worship team. There's probably lots of you reading this that have never sung a spiritual song. Here's what it is. And uh, just talking about how Jesus walks among us as we worship and is singing songs over the bride and how the, the spirit is, is always hovering over his people, singing songs, and we can tap into that as worship teams and release those things over. And I'm just, as we're reading that, I'm going, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've established here at Dayspring that we do get sung over every Sunday because we have a people surrendered to the Spirit of God. Melissa is, is before the Lord saying, what songs, you know, weeks ahead of time, what songs do you want released? And then as they, as they pray together, the Holy Spirit gives them new songs to release as they're standing up here. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful. Let's just shout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unique, but it's becoming not as unique. Praise God. His spirit is moving in worship all, all around the world. And I'm thankful to be alive right now. This month, we've been focusing on living from his presence. And I'm going to wrap that up. Well, actually, we never wrap that up, do we? That's pretty much our theme here at Dayspring. In fact, I wrote this out off of our website because it's, this is one of our 10 core values here at Dayspring. We hunger for his presence. We find our identity and our fruitfulness as we live in his presence, staying hungry because there's always more. Isn't that good? That's one of our 10 core values. If you want to know the rest, get on, get on our website and, and just feast. <laughs> But this is why, one of the reasons why I was drawn here to Dayspring 18 years ago is because this, I, I stepped in and saw hungry people. I saw people who have known Jesus for years, yet still have a hunger for more. That there's a hunger to, to receive. From the people that were up here leading, there's still a hunger to receive. And there's a hunger for, for intimacy and closeness and, and truth. And it's available as we pursue him wholeheartedly. And I knew this is, this is home for me. I want to be among hungry people because I love your presence, God. I love your presence. I'm passionate about his presence and there's been this burning in me, especially over the last year, for the people of God to know that, that in order to be people who carry his presence, we, we really have to submit to his leadership. 
And we don't really like the word submit. Maybe the word submit in your life has been misused even. But God wants to shift our thinking towards being people of presence. To be people that submit to him leading every area of our lives. So would you just pray with me right now? Oh, Father. Father. We're asking that you would change our thinking this morning. All that we've known about being people of your presence would be deepened this morning. That we would walk in deeper places in our thoughts, in our emotions, in how we are in the most secret places of our life. God, we're asking that in an hour of opinion, where opinion is raging around us, maybe at a more heightened level than we've ever seen. God, we're asking that we would submit to your leadership. We've got to hear you. We're longing to know you in deeper places, in deeper ways. So we say, Holy Spirit, come in right now. Come in. We open our hearts to the wind of your spirit, to the fire of your purity. We open our hearts. Holy Spirit. Amen. For years I've been drawn to this communication that we can read about between Moses and the Father. In the book of Exodus. See, Moses had this recognition in his life of the, of the need for God's presence. To, to Moses, God's presence was synonymous with leadership, with God's leadership. In Exodus 33, it says that Moses would put up a tent a little bit outside the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And anyone who wanted to seek the Lord would go out to that tent. But when Moses went out to the tent, in Exodus 33, it says the people came out of their, came out of their homes. They came out of their, their personal tents. I can just see like there being this, hey, he's going in. And, and the people would come out and stand in front of their tents and watch. And it, and it says that the, the pillar of cloud would descend when Moses would go in. And it would stand it, the presence of God, would hover in front of the tent. And it says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. And in the previous chapter, Exodus 32, we see that the people of Israel had just chosen idolatry. We know the story. Moses was gone up on the mountain meeting with the Lord. They were getting impatient. God wasn't doing things the way they wanted it done. And so they had Aaron make them an idol they could see. And they embraced idolatry. And a few thousand of them ended up losing their lives in judgment. 
And after this, God tells Moses, go on ahead. So all that's happened. Moses says, God says to Moses, go on ahead. It's time for you to lead the people into the land I promised you. Now I'm going to send an angel ahead of you. It's going to take care of you. I, can't, I am not coming with you. Because this is an obstinate people and I'll destroy them. And here's what Moses' response is in verse 15 of Exodus 33. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth? See, Moses recognized something. The dreams of my heart, the promised land, the freedom, the provision, the beauty of that land that I've been dreaming of means nothing without you. It means nothing to me without your leadership, God. In verse 15, that word presence is the Hebrew word panim, and it actually means face. So Moses is saying, God, I've met panim to panim with you. I've experienced face to face, and I'm not going without your face. That's the worst news I've ever received, God. I'm not going into the dream without you. And then God answers, in verse 17, I will do what you've spoken, for you have found favor in my sight. And here's just the precious part to me. I have known you by name. Mm. And then we know that at that point, Moses says to God, show me your glory. <laughs> and God says in verse 19, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion to whom I will show compassion. See, Moses had tasted, right? He had tasted and he wanted more. And when he asked God, I want to see your glory, he was asking for this word. In, in the Hebrew, it's kabod. And it means the abundance of your splendor. He's like, okay, he's going to go with us. I'm going to ask him for something else. I want your kabod. I just want to see it. I want to see the abundance of your splendor. It was beyond what he had seen in the presence-to-presence -presence encounters. He's asking something that God can't fulfill completely. Because God says, well, if you see my kabod, you'll die. But I'm going to guard you here in this place in the rock. And I'm going to pass before you and I'm going to Proclaim my name in front of you. That is a whole nother sermon. Woo! And he does. The Lord passes before him and declares his name. And I'm just so captured by that story because the Lord says to Moses, I know you by name. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to proclaim my name to you. There's this exchange happening. And I want to ask you from this story, this invitation of like increasing hunger. 
for more. I've tasted you. I've, I've seen. But I'm longing for more of your glory. And I want to ask you this. Are you regularly asking to behold the Lord? To behold him. Because I want his leadership of my life to come out of that encounter. I want presence and leadership to be synonymous in my life. And to come out of a place of revelation of who he is. See, when I experience that, I've known you by name. That's the affection of God. He's loving on Moses there. I know you by name. Here's my name. Well, that, that is a life-changing experience. I think Moses had something figured out. He knew that the beholding of the Lord was a greater reality than the promised land. That was a greater reality to him. That's what I want. That's what I want. And actually, this week... I didn't realize this is part of my testimony. I love how the Lord defines to us years later what he was doing. When I was 20, 19 or 20, I had just ended a horrible dating relationship. I'd never dated before, and, and I was being emotionally and psychologically abused, and I didn't know it. And the Lord, the Lord led me out of it. I, I realized I had just ignored his leadership for the last year of my life. And often when people come out, as many of you know, when you come out of something like that, there's a feeling of being tainted. And, and it's easy to slip into depression and tiredness and, and feeling lost, even though we're his child. And, and a friend burned me a CD of a Graham Cook word. Any of you heard of Graham Cook? And... And it's just a, it's a 20-minute word, and he's just declaring over whoever he was with. He's just declaring over them the nature of God. And I listened to that thing in my car, like, every morning and, and would weep. I would have these encounters with the Lord where I would just have to stop and say, wow, wow. And it's not even that complex of a word. It's just now that I realize I needed who God was, is, de declared over me. I want to read you just a little part of what he says in that word. He says, the most wonderful thing you will do with your life is to trust it to the nature of God. He loves you. He's deeply committed to you and delights in helping you. It's the happiest feeling to totally trust the best, most powerful most integrous, loving, covenant maker, being completely reliant on his character and integrity is the source of your great happiness. Whoa! So I started just declaring who God is. And that was a new practice for me. 
by the, by the word practice, I mean making it regular. There were times where I had beautiful times of worship, mountaintop experiences, and, but I had not made it regular in my life to declare his nature. And I believe, well, I'm not going to keep going. That, that word was a kairos word for me, meaning it was a decisive word for me. It, it spurred in me a, a hunger to read his word with different eyes. All of a sudden, as I'm reading the word, I'm seeing God's nature now. I'm, I'm longing to know him. I'm realizing that God, I've ignored these parts of your nature. I've ignored your leadership. And he was inviting me now into face to face. And he kept speaking the word abide to me. I didn't even really know what abide meant. And Sandra spoke the first week of this month and she read out of John 15 when Jesus said to his disciples, abide in me and I in you and this is how you're going to bear fruit, right? And that word abide means to dwell, to stay here, to remain, to be connected to my leadership. And that's where fruit comes. And when he invited me in to abide with him, I know now that what he was inviting me to is a steadiness with him. To steward steadiness. I'm going to reveal myself to you in a way that you don't get derailed like you just did for the last year again. That you're able to stay on the narrow path without compromise. There will be mistakes. But the face-to-face, the abiding invitation, we stay gazing at his goodness. And our lack, it doesn't have as much influence on us from that point. And this is so important that in the midst of that John 15 invitation, to, to his disciples, Jesus was saying in John 14, 15, and 16 over and over, he's saying, I'm going away, but I'm sending a helper. You're going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. They had no way of understanding that. John 16, verse 7, he said, but I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I'm leaving, for if I don't leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Wow. He will glorify me, for he will take from mine and disclose it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine. This is why I said that he takes from mine and discloses it to you. Jesus announced to them, you're going to be the dwelling place. See, they did have this context in the Hebrew culture of the tent of meeting. They knew about that. 
that, that incredible power encounter that Moses would have. They knew about the tent of meeting. So when Jesus uses this word, abide in me, and I will abide in you, it's like, what? I don't know if they got it right then, but he's saying, you will be the tent. You will be the tent. And here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do for you. He's going to lead you. There's going to be a conviction of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. He's going to teach you all things. He's even going to remind you of what I already taught you. And he's going to take things that only the Holy Spirit can search out, the depths of the Father, and he's going to reveal those things to you. That's what's available. So I want to camp out in a passage today that really clearly lays out how cultivating intimacy with the Spirit and experiencing the Father's heart will lead to that leadership that's steady, narrow path leadership. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. And this book, Ephesians, Paul is writing a letter, as most of you know, to a church in Ephesus. And, and knowing the background of this church is really important, I think. Ephesus was a center of activity for the Roman Empire. Ephesus was, um, now it's modern Turkey. And it was a city of culture, it was a city of connections, and a city full of idol worship. So Paul shows up in about 52 AD and shows and, and meets a group of, a small group of people that have come to Christ. And with them, he plants a church. And in Acts 19, he, the first thing he does with those people is ask them this question. Have you heard there's a Holy Spirit? You, you guys know about forgiveness, but do you know there's power to live life? And here's their answer. No. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. How many of you have had that, that moment in your life where you go, what? Who is this? Steve? <laughs> We've heard Steve's testimony. So Paul prays for this small group of people that the power of God would come on them and they encounter the Holy Spirit and they begin to prophesy right away the deeds of God. And here's what happens. Their hearts are changed in a way that the Spirit begins to move powerfully through them. There's miracles. There's healings. There's so many healings and there's so much hunger for healing that... Paul can't get around to everybody. This is maybe before the revelation of like, you can pray for people. I don't have to be the one to pray for people. So they start bringing handkerchiefs to Paul. And even like aprons, mama's aprons. Pray over this piece of cloth, Paul, because the Spirit is doing so much. We want to take these out. Right? So they would lay these cloths that had been prayed over on people and they would be healed. And God was doing this through the church in Ephesus. 
And they were also renouncing evil. I mean, this is the perfect charismatic church. Right? They, they'd been in all kinds of occultic practices in the city, and they turned to God. In fact, they, as an act of repentance, they gathered up all these occultic items and burned them. And boy, did that make people mad. Go read the story. And then out of that response of, of repentance and purity, the Word of God began to move swiftly through the area. And Scripture says... Out of what happened in Ephesus, all of Asia Minor heard. What? Have you looked at a map? Have you looked at the size of Turkey? Out of what happened in Ephesus, all of Asia Minor, Minor had heard. Woo! And they were taking what God was doing and they were spreading it all over. So we're, this is like a 40-year revival. A revival center, let's put it in our language, a powerhouse. And in Ephesians 3, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, about 10 years into their revival, this is how I'm praying for you, church. And I believe Paul had a warning in his spirit. I believe he knew, unless they do this thing that I'm praying, it can't sustain. So here's how he prayed for them. Verse 14 of Ephesians 3. For this reason I bend my knees before the Father. If you want the reason, go read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. We're not going to read all of that up to this point. Verse 15. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory... To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ. Which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to all the fullness of God. I hope we're praying like that for each other. Whew. A letter to the ultimate charismatic church. I'm thinking, this is what we, we have to tune into this word. We have to tune into this prayer. This is a letter to us. Because they're seeing an outpouring of the Spirit. And Paul is taking them back, right? He's refocusing their eyes. This is how, this is what I'm praying for you, that you would stay rooted in Christ's love. That word rooted is a word that means steadfast, unmoving. There's a consistency that Paul was inviting them into. I, I really, I feel that this prayer was a prophetic word to the Ephesian church and to us. Because Ephesus shows up again in Revelation 2. And the book of Revelation, we know it's, it's given to John. 
as he encounters Jesus, and Jesus is speaking over many different churches. If you read Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he's speaking over churches that need correction and help and encouragement. And Jesus speaks to Ephesus and says this, church of Ephesus, you've, you've persevered. You have not put up with evil. But I have this against you. This is from the mouth of Jesus through John, and he's writing this. And most evidence points to this book being written in 95 AD. So we're talking about 40 years after this revival in Ephesus. So one generation later, right? One generation. And Jesus speaks through John and says, You've persevered, but you've left your first love. In fact, you've, you've done this well. You, you don't put up with evil. You're pure, right? We have that. Is that our number one call, church? This is weighty because I see the church rising up right now in this. Almost our chest is coming out like this. It's not all that matters, church. Beloved, you've lost your first love. And Jesus says this, I want you to repent and do the things that you first did. Because if not, I'm going to remove your lampstand among the churches. And the lampstand is what Jesus walks among. Jesus walks among the lampstands. The lampstand is a consistent presence of Christ among us. This is important. Knowing that history is important for us to understand this call. So I'm tuning in to Ephesians 3 with you here for the next few minutes. In verse 14, Paul is demonstrating this is how you ask. It's a first step. You ask to be strengthened in your inner man. Ask, are we asking for divine strength? Are we asking him? It's a biblical principle. Ask and it will be given. You have not because you ask not. So ask to be strengthened in your inner man. What's your inner man? Inner man is your thoughts, your reasoning, your affections, your feelings, your desires, and your resolve. That's your inner man. Who needs to be strengthened in their inner man? All right. Everyone. <laughs> We're so apt to distraction. We're so apt to turn our heads towards things we see as life-giving, strength-giving things. And Paul is saying here, first step, number one, you need spiritual strength. I like how Mike Bickle says it. He says, we have to have 
Holy Spirit strength to make thousands of good choices every day, right? Tiny choices every day empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to have his strength. Later, when Paul writes to Timothy in Colossians 1, he says, I'm praying all the time, verse 11, that you would be strengthened with all power. He likes that word. According to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Paul knows every body of believers needs strength. Are you asking the Lord for it? Steadiness and patience. Why does Paul tell these churches what he's praying? We don't often just go around and tell people, this is what I'm praying for you. Because, because he's training. He's a teacher. He loves to speak and train and lead. And this is how I pray. Pray this way for yourself. In Luke 22, Jesus said to his own disciples in the garden, pray that you will not be swept away with temptation. So even Jesus is saying, you have to do what I'm doing right now. You have to have time devoted to spending, asking the Father for strength to not give in. So in verse 17, we're being strengthened to what? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's confidence. That's abiding. That's remain in me, abide in me. Paul is saying, hey, this is a reality for you. Christ will dwell in you. Your entire personality can become a tent of meeting. Your entire being can become a dwelling place. Your mind, your emotions, wow. I mean, Moses could only dream of that. And we have that offered to us right now, in this moment. We don't have to go outside the camp. The radiance of Christ is inside of you. And so much more than being forgiven of sin, isn't it? Boy, that's a beautiful. We have to come back to the cross. And we have to know that it's forgiveness, just like Sandra declared, is a beautiful part of our testimony. Having Christ dwelling in our hearts is a, another Level. It's another step. I know we don't often like the word level, but there's levels. I mean, there are, I don't know how else to say it. And this is what Paul is saying. He's like, come up higher, right? You know about God being your, your Savior, the one who forgave you, the one who provides your needs, the one who protects you. Do you know about Christ being inside of you? Do you know about him overcoming negative thought patterns? Do you know about the radiance of, of something that's greater than, we can't even look at the sun because it burns our eyes and there's radiant energy living in you to help you overcome. Whoa! It's more, it's, it's being strengthened in here. Everybody say, Put your hand where you think your inner man is and say, inner man, be strengthened. Woo! 
It's saying this, that you would be rooted and grounded, right? I'm not moving now from this place of love. I've prayed for his strength, that Christ would dwell in my mind, will, and emotions, that he would be transforming me, that all of those tiny little decisions, that decision to say that thing or do that thing or look at that person or judge that person or find somebody to complain to that person about, all of those things, the radiance of Christ is affecting those decisions every day. So I'm, not, I'm now rooted and grounded in the presence of God. And I, I'm rooted there, so nothing that any dumb person does to me, because people aren't dumb, no dumb thing can uproot me from that place. There's so many different ways to say it. We could just talk about this for the rest of the sermon. I don't have to go there anymore. There's a heart check. There's a sharpening. I don't have to be offended by that person choosing that worldview. I don't have to be shocked anymore when somebody says something that I can't believe they're saying. I'm going to root out that evil. Right? I, I don't have to respond like that because the radiance of Christ is in my inner man. And here's the progression, verse 18. So you're rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Noah, you sang it. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness of God. Whoa. Now I'm rooted and grounded and there's a knowledge now of something I'm not supposed to be able to naturally understand. It's incomprehensible to understand his love. But we know in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit of God is actually the one inside of us that's testifying Abba. So I don't have to wonder if I'm loved by Abba. Because the Holy Spirit's the one that knows that. He searches out Abba and he brings it to my Mind, will, and emotions. So if I'm rooted and grounded in Abba's love, now I can love well. Now I can love well. It's a deep place of knowing his love. It's being captured by his desire for me. And that's a manifestation of his presence in me. Mm. I want to invite us right now to take a posture of submission. So for some of you, that might be getting on your knees. For some of you, it might just be staying in your seat. For some of you, it might be on your face. And I want to read this last verse over you. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. That's an invitation for now. Yes, we'll be filled up to the fullness in eternity, but there's an invitation for now.
that we would be strengthened in our inner man through the power of your spirit, God. We ask that we would be strengthened in our inner man. That you, Christ, would dwell in our hearts. That we would learn what abide means. That we would be then rooted and grounded, immovable from that place of love and be able to comprehend something that's unfathomable. Holy Spirit, reveal Abba to our hearts. We're asking by the power of your spirit that this morning we would know in a new way the heights and depths and widths and length of your love. That we would know how to love you. It's by your spirit that you teach us how to love you and how to be loved. That's, that's the full package. There's nothing greater than that. Teach us how to walk in your affections, Father. That like Moses, you have known our name. Therefore, we can know yours. Teach us how to declare who you are. That we would be the happiest people. That we would be situated, rooted and grounded in the high tower of everything you are. Oh God. We want to build our lives around this. This is it. We, we don't want to walk out of our first love. Oh, God, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. Why would we ever chase after anything else? God, why would we ever chase after anything but our first love? I'm asking for this people to be a lampstand that does not go out. I just want to invite you if you have never given Jesus leadership over your life. If you've never received what's offered here today, I want to invite you to give him leadership. So much more. There, it begins with his forgiveness of you. It begins with him cleansing you, making you new. A new creation, the old things, the old struggles, the old 
the old anger, the old perversion passing away, the new coming, it begins with that. Just from this place right here, if you've never done that, I, I implore you to give him that place in your life, that he would fill you that you would abide in him and him in you, that you would meet him face to face. I feel like what Natasha brought up during the worship is gonna be continued right now. We, we have so many that we know that have lost their first love. All of us, each of us, right now that's happening a lot. And, and I, I believe that right now in this moment as we ask for the Lord to strengthen our inner man, that we would cry out for those who have set down their first love, for those who have perhaps never seen the Lord face to face even. So right now I just invite you, cry out for your loved ones. Cry out for an encounter, for a strengthening, for a revelation from the Spirit of Abba's love. As we pray for those people that are on your hearts, I want to declare this last part. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, to all generations in other words this isn't a 40 year move to all generations this doesn't stop after 40 years we cry out Lord for our generations and our generations generations to be strengthened, that they have experienced the first love, that they've experienced the strengthening of their inner man, the radiance of Christ inside of them, that they can't lay that down, God. That they would not turn away from their first love. Cry out with me, church. Cry out with me. Oh, God. You are able. We are not able. By rejecting evil, we are not able, Lord. We have to be strengthened in our inner man. 
you are able by the power of your spirit to be the glory in the church. Oh, how we need that kabod. We are asking for an abundant glory to rest in our hearts, God. Show us what it means to be wholehearted and single-minded. The application of this is so different for each person. But I believe right now the Lord is highlighting something to you that you have held on to as a place of strength, as something that gives you comfort, something that you seemingly gives you strength. And then it leaves you empty. The Lord is inviting you to pray for this strength, to take the place of that. What is it for you? What, ha what do you turn to? What have you been distracted by? Perhaps some of you have been derailed from allowing him to be your leader. Maybe you've ignored the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life. And for some of us today, there's something like Sally was sharing that has shocked us, some news that could potentially feel like this is going to destroy me. And I want to declare over you that it's these wells with the Lord that will get you through that thing. As Sally got up to speak, I saw her heart shining. There was a radiance coming from her heart. Do you know now what that is? The radiance of Christ. All of the wells for all these years that Sally has dug with the Lord. Those will be her places of strength this year. Oh, how we need you, Spirit of God. We invite you to wash over us right now. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't even something you can get up at the altar for somebody praying over you. This is a life direction change. This is me saying, be my strength. Christ, abide in me. Root me in your love that I will not be knocked off of that. When so I see somebody doing something I think is ridiculous. I wouldn't be so quick to judge. That I wouldn't be so quick to form an opinion that I could actually say, I walked through this day slow to speak and slow to anger. Rooted and grounded. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill us, Lord. Shukadu. 
you are matchless. Nothing compares to you. You are the love of our life. place I'd rather be. one other thing I was hearing this morning I was talking with Marlene and we were just chatting and many of you know Marlene just an incredible woman of God and she was she felt like the reason that the Israelites were so quick uh, and of course the fire is so quick in producing this idol after Moses had gone up the mountain is because they didn't have a personal relationship Moses became their mediator we know that in Deuteronomy, as you read parallel to Exodus, as, as, as these men came and said, we thought this day that if you heard the voice of God, we would die. Well, we realize that's not the case, but you be our mediator and you tell us what to do. And that personal opportunity when everyone heard the voice of the Lord, everyone saw the lightning and the mountain, and every person heard and You'd see God's heart to have that same relationship that he had with Moses, with each and every person. But they chose otherwise. And I just felt like the Lord just kind of reminded me on a heart, you know, what are the things we can do is we can have other mediators. We can have other than Christ Jesus. And that might be Christy. That might be me. That might be my dad. That might be a spiritual friend that hears the Lord so clearly. It, 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 may be, uh, it may be something you're watching on the TV. It may be your favorite preacher. It may be your favorite speaker. It, it, it may be your mother or your father or your grandma or your grandpa. But the Lord is just inviting us. There's nothing wrong with those relationships. But have any way those people become a mediator, have any way those people become a source in our lives, it's so easy in the way that, that we can do church rather than being the church, right? Being those, those temples of the Holy Spirit that we can start to have that, well, I need to go. Well, I need to ask this person to hear. I need this ask. And oftentimes before we, we, uh, we, we want to we 
we, it, it's not about a confirmation anymore. It's about them hearing for us. And then maybe we'll look for another confirmation if what they're saying is right. But something's been lost. Amen. And that's that habitation that God made us to be, temples of the Holy Spirit, fit for fire, fit for the all-consuming fire, to be housed in these vessels, and that we would be lit on fire and people would come and watch us burn. That's the invitation this morning. So would you just stretch your hands out? I know we're running a little over today. Holy Spirit, we just ask, would in any way, if, if, if we have put others in the position of being that mediator, Lord, you are that Christ Jesus. Yes. Lord, we have that source, and that's directly to you, Lord. Lord, we heard the voice of the Lord, and we answered, Lord, and we accepted that love invitation. We've accepted the day to lay down our lives for you, Jesus. And Lord, we say this today, Lord, you will be our source, Father. You will be our mediator. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, and today I, I was reminded of my spiritual grandfather, Philip Moorbeer, and he used to walk around and he would tell you, just right in your face, he would say, and he had a Caribbean accent. It was so beautiful, I won't try to do it. But anyways, he said, uh, is Jesus the sweetest thing in your life or has something else stolen your taste? I'd like you just to take a moment and, and turn to your neighbor. Would you just say that to me? Is Jesus the sweetest thing in your life or is something else stolen your taste? Oh, God. Oh, God. Be that sweetest thing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Christy. It's a beautiful message. We love you. Just go out. Go out today. Go out today. It's a habitation, the dwelling place of, of God. A temple fit for fire. That tent of meeting where He is your source for everything, He is your delight. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you guys. As you get up today, please greet someone. Please encourage them. Please share with them the love of God. And as you, as you go out from here today, remember that you are that tent of meeting for whoever you encounter in front of you today. Yeah, just release the glory of the Lord, the hope of glory in you. How exciting. Ha <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Be blessed. Again, if you're a first-time guest with us, you can meet back at the resource table. God bless you today as you go out. Thank you, Jesus.